you know, obviously your podcast, I, I'm working my way through the 108, 170, whatever it is now. Power to Live More with Joe Dodds. Welcome to the Power to Live More podcast, all about productivity, organisation, well-being, energy and resilience. I'm Jo Dodds and I started this show to enable interesting people to share their stories about how they use their power to live more and by that I mean to do the stuff that they want to do more than the stuff that they need to or should do. It's about creating a life for yourself where you have the energy, health and space to be happy and fulfilled, spending your time as you'd like, whether that be at work, home or somewhere else entirely. That's your choice. Hello. My name is Ellie Dodds and I'm co-presenter and today Joe's interviewing Emma Spence. Emma contacted us as a listener to the podcast, having been introduced to it via Mark Williams from show number 163. Joe was so pleased to be able to invite an obsessed listener, her words, on as a guest. She tells us that she listens to us whilst walking her dog on the beach every day. Having worked in various industries during her 20s, including travel and recruitment, she spent the latter part of her time working in London as The Economist. It was there in the mid-90s that she decided to make a dramatic change and escape to the country and to study business and finance at Agricultural College. It gave her the life that she had been yearning for, out of London and the daily grind and commute. Two years at college while setting up a bookkeeping business of her own, put her in the perfect position to support her husband's desire to set up his own African safari business, Aardvark Safaris, where she was the handbrake, checkbook guardian and voice of reason. They had two children during those initial years and completely renovated a derelict house. Fast forward 10 years, her husband John realised that to conquer the world, well, the US market anyway, they needed to be in America. So in 2009, they packed up lock, stock and barrel and moved to the west coast of the US to San Diego. They started again from scratch with a new business, new schools, new house, new life. Their children were six and nine at that stage and it was a huge transition for them all. What was meant to be a three-year adventure turned into a permanent life in California. Their family and friends stopped asking when they were coming home. Six years later, her husband made the hard decision to separate the two businesses, UK and US, and for his business partners to keep the UK and for them to continue with the US business alone. They had planned to expand into other areas of the world. Africa was great, but they had all their eggs in one basket, and it was at that stage that they had a visit from the CEO and CFO of Scott Dunn, who wanted to expand worldwide and eventually bought their US business and they became Scott Dunn USA. The last four years have been the hardest work, the steepest learning curve and some of the most rewarding years of Emma's career. She became more of a leader, understanding private equity and all the added pressures that brought and expanded a team from 8 to 36 talented young people. During this time, she had the great fortune to spend time with Mark Williams, when he visited their team for some coaching training, and that is when she discovered what has turned out to be a passion for coaching. Unfortunately, her time as Scott Dunn has come to an abrupt end as her new role covering L&D for the global business was not on the dramatically reduced structure. However, she is trained to be a certified CTI coactive coach, and in the meantime, search for a role that can use her 20 plus years experience and skills to good use. Back to the studio. So today I'm interviewing Emma Spence, which is quite exciting because Emma's actually an avid listener to the podcast and that's how the interview came about. So uh, welcome, Emma. Great to have you with me. Thank you very much. Nice to be here. So we um, connected through Mark, who was on one of the previous shows, and you just sent me a lovely message on, I think, LinkedIn to say that you enjoyed the show. And so I gave you a little shout out, didn't I? How did that go? Uh, that was so lovely because I listen to you every day was um, um I'm walking my dog on the beach just the perfect length of time I listen to one of your podcasts and I've been switched on to you for, through Mark Williams and um, giraffe pad so I was listening to that and then you know had to let you know that you know, here on the west coast of America you were you, the word was being spread it was really good to hear your voice every morning 
Yes, that's lovely. Thank you. So tell us a bit about who you are, what you do, and as you've started to say, where you do it. So yes, I'm based in um, San Diego. I've been here for 11 years. Um, currently, although I'm in transition working for a luxury travel business, um, which is a, a global business based in the UK, um, and my husband and I have been running it for the last four years um, for, uh, for Scott Dunn. Um, and yeah, we, that's why we're based on the West Coast, eight hours time difference. Um, and I've been really, I do the money and people. My husband's the, the sales marketing. He's the president of the business. And I've, I've for the last 20 years, been basically for, for um, the travel business, been running the money and people. Lovely. And so you're in San Diego? In sunny San Diego, yeah. <laughs> right on the West Coast, 30 miles from Mexico. About as far away from the UK as you can get. <laughs> yes, yeah. I went to San Diego a few years ago to a, an event. You have quite a lot of conferences there, don't you? Yes, um, yeah, um, big conference centre. Yeah, I remember being at the along the sort of seafront and uh, seeing the um, Coast Guard, which in, in little sunny Hyde where I live is like a little putt-putt. <laughs> and, and yours is like a big naval destroyer. <laughs> yeah, I think, it, I think it's the biggest naval base on the West Coast. So, yeah, we, we've got a few of those in, in the harbour. <laughs> <laughs> lovely so tell us a bit more about how you ended up doing what you do I mean I, I talk often as you'll know to guests and ask them you know did you want to do this when you were at school and obviously mostly <laughs> the answer was I didn't even know this thing existed but I guess similar sort of thing did you always want to you know live abroad was travel what you thought you'd be doing no quite honestly and <laughs> <laughs> um, like most people fell into it um you know, I was, I met my husband 28 years ago, um, and he is a, a, a creative entrepreneur who um, was always going to push the boundaries, do the impossible, think up the wildest dreams. And I'm a very conservative, um, safe, I like to have everything double checked, um, health and safety, don't take any risks. Um, yeah. So, you know, the combination of the two of us actually has worked out fine. But you know, I fell into working with him and setting up a business in the UK 21 years ago now um, because I had the financial background. You know, I'd worked in corporates, I'd worked in travel businesses, I'd worked in recruitment, I'd done a little bit of everything. Um, and I'd realised that my, my talent was in the, the business and finance side because I love to have columns that add up and straight lines and spreadsheets <laughs> that makes me happy <laughs> um, and so when he set up um, his African safari business um, with a, a, a friend of his they'd both been white water rafters on the Zambezi in Africa um, it was the sort of natural place for me to carry on I already had a bookkeeping business to carry on doing all the the financial side of things to make sure that they didn't overspend the money and the budgets were adhered to and um, we all the, the stuff that needed to you know, be taxes and um, all of that stuff was looked after. So I fell into it at that stage um, as the financial side of the business. Um, so, you know, t 10 years of that, um, we had two children, we renovated a house at the time. So we sort of dipped in and out a bit over those 10 years. But um, it, was, it was really at that stage that John decided he wanted to open an office in the US. That's where all the opportunity was for expanding the business. The UK mm -hmm. was already quite a saturated market. So he said to me, I don't know, three or four times, I think we should move to America. I think we should set up a business there. And I was like, no, 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 no. And my mum was like, no, 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 because she had two grandchildren she didn't want to um, lose to the United States. Um, and in the end, he brought me to San Diego, showed me around, showed me, you know, we looked at the opportunity and I couldn't see any good reason to say no. <laughs> So at that point, which was probably on the fourth or fifth asking, um, we, we packed up and we moved and he said, yep, we'll go for three years. We'll find somebody to take over the business and then we'll come back. It's like, okay, I can live with that. Yeah. That was 11 years ago. Um, <laughs> so we, we, set, we set up a whole new business in the US um, from scratch, which was literally like setting up from scratch, even though we had a UK business running um, alongside it. We had to find banks, we had to get credit, we had to get the kids in school, and it was, it was quite daunting, to be honest. Um, and now I look back on it, it's like, how mad was that? 
Um, yes, especially given your sort of, as you said, Miss Health and Safety, dot the I's mm. and the T's and, and have all the columns adding up. Um, you must have had to push those boundaries quite a lot during that time. Yes. Um, and I think, you know, anybody who's set up a business or done something like that know that you run on adrenaline for yes. quite a long time. Um, and that's, I've learned that's what I do. Um, and that gets me through probably that, that first three years was all done on adrenaline. First, definitely the first year. Um, so you don't really think you just do, you just, you, you just get on with it, make it work. Mm. Um, my husband's a great one for just saying, well, if we don't know the answer, we'll just go out and find the answer. We'll just keep asking people until we find the right answer. Um, so he's, he's very extrovert. He will, you know, so, so I've got all the support of that. Um, I'm a high functioning introvert, so I find it more, I find it harder. Um, but yeah, it's being health and safety. I needed to have certain things locked down. I had to be very sure that we were doing the right thing when we set up as a business that, you know, that we were ticking all the boxes. So as long as I had a certain amount of that, I'm I'm good with it. Um, Mm. but yeah, I do, I do have a, a little, I am a little averse to taking, <laughs> taking too much risk. Yeah. And it's interesting. I've had um, people on here who work with their partner before a couple of times. It's not sort of that um, common in terms of, of my guests, but mm. it sort of strikes me that it, you know, it appears to have worked. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes. And you said, you know, the fact that you're quite different was helpful, but also just on the face of what you've told me already, it sounds like being quite different actually was also and could be quite difficult because presumably from what you've said your husband is quite likely to be sort of leading from the front saying oh this will you know we'll work it out let's go and you're saying hang on we've got Mm. to add that column up (laughs) sort of thing (laughs) you know not not everyone would be able to deal with because it's that makes it much more challenging when people don't think like you it's it has its advantages but also disadvantages and then you've got the whole thing about when does the work finish and when does personal life sort of start how has that been I mean you've had many years experience of it now it's, it seems to have gone well yeah I think we I mean we, we still struggle with it um and it's you know sometimes I look back on it and I think well that's just what our life has been so why yeah. am I trying to change it maybe that's just fine um, yeah. it, it's not always healthy um I think we could have done a better job of it um I think when you're first starting out you just it, everything merges into one so it's all about you know it's a, as much about kids and what school they're going to and whether they're happy as whether the business is doing okay and you've got somebody employed and whether they turned up for work today you know it's mm-hmm. it all merges into one mm-hmm. um, I, I think it's had three sort of distinct phases and I think it works for couples um, and funnily enough we've got a lot of friends who are, are married couples who are in business together which I didn't really sort of realize until quite recently um, I think when you're first starting out there's a lot of strength and there's a lot of power in, in it both of you because you do push on through you do do the crazy stuff that you know you get back on your computer at midnight to sort something out because um, yeah. you're doing it together mm. and that's fine if you've got somebody else who's you know, maybe not as invested or whatever, that, then that's very hard. Mm. So it's, there's, a, there's a real power in it when, when you're first starting up. I think it's, it's hard in the middle stage when, you, when you're running a business and you've got like 20 people, that it's hard for other people then to work for a married couple. And that's what I'm very aware of. Mm. That you, you think it's, you, you, you can put up barriers for them to, because then they can't push on through. They know they can't get past you. If you're, if you're filling one side of the business and your, your other half's the other, then they've got, they've got nowhere to go. They can never be more senior. They can never be the vice president or whatever it is. Yeah. So I think, I think and, I, and I have recognized that um, a lot recently that we got to the size before the pandemic, we got to the size where that I was a blocker. For other people, so I don't think it's particularly healthy. And also, you know, then they're always working for a married couple. They can't come to one without you know the other, and, and there's there's a lot of trust that goes with it and stuff, which I've worked really hard on. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I think once you then get into a bigger organisation, if you're a couple working together, then it's fine because there's enough people to spread it out. There's you know you can actually ignore each other. Um, 
I mean, I, had, I worked with somebody a few years ago who said that you know he he and his wife worked in the same organisation, but um, and then somebody people would start whispering, saying, "Oh, I think there might be an affair going on," because <laughs> they had lunch with each other every day, but they didn't realise they were married. <laughs> <laughs> so I think you can lose yourself in a big organisation. So I yeah. think we were in in that middle bit wasn't very healthy, and actually, you know. For what what's happened over the pandemic and you know the transition I'm in now, I think ultimately it's a good thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, it's a long time, so it's going to take some getting used to not working together. I mean, not yeah. getting involved or asking the questions or interfering. Yes, yes. So just at the beginning of this, we talked about there being three things that you'd learned, and I'm not sure if we've done the three or if there was something else you wanted to add before I change the subject. <laughs> From working together. Yeah, I think you said there were sort of three main benefits or, or something towards the beginning of what we started saying. Um, it's fine. I think it's the, yeah. the you know, the, the, the really the pushing through when you're working together yeah. um, as a to start something. Um, yeah. And yeah. Then, the, then the transition time. Yes, yeah. I think the other thing that can sometimes happen is you it gets a bit um, cliquey. So it's not even that people feel that they can't go to one because they might tell the other or, or whatever because you sort of know each other so well you can often exclude people unintentionally I, I we yes mentioned you know, I work with Engage for Success the national movement in the UK around employee engagement and um our former exec director became my best friend I met her through the the movement and um mm. you, you're aware of her she was Kathy or is Kathy Brown who was on show one and show yeah. 150 and no 200 whichever no we haven't done 200 yet must be, <laughs> must be 150 um and I remember one of our colleagues at one stage and bearing in mind we work remotely so we're not together very often at all and we're all working from different parts of the country and all that sort of thing I remember somebody making some comment about the fact that we were gluten-free together <laughs> and, and it, it was like it was a really weird conversation because we neither of us eat gluten and and so it was all sort of a topic sometimes within team meetings or whatever um things cropped up or if we bought cakes we you know people made sure they were gluten-free or whatever and then there was some like comment about it being you know cliquey about you know gluten <laughs> which it's a special <laughs> club you two were in <laughs> exactly but it, it did make me realize that that was naturally happening without us realizing sort of thing you know because we knew each mm. other well and we had lots in common and and we had sort of in jokes and we'd worked together for a long time and everything else without intending to we were excluding people um, mm. whilst thinking that we were, you know, including them sort of thing. And I think that is something that could just inadvertently happen, you know, because of the circumstance as well. Yeah, and I think that's, I think definitely there was, um, that there were some issues with, particularly globally, when you're, you've got teams on the other side of the world who are trying to communicate um, with you, that, yeah. you know, it was a problem that the, that the two of us were married and you know, yeah. they didn't know who to go to or it was confusing messages or whatever it was. Um, mm. Yeah, it's something to, to really look out for um, yeah. in a business. So you touched on your current transition. So there's been a few changes mm. as a result of the, the pandemic. So sort of tell us a bit more about what you're doing now, what's happening and what your plans are. Yeah, so um, last November, um, we we sort of had a, a change of um, um, emphasis for my role um, as well as um, for well, John was sort of taking on, you know, the full um, president role because we had some movement around with our international director um, and the CEO offered me the position of a leadership and development role um, with the global business rather than just doing, um, you know, the money and people in the US and we were going to take on an HR manager to take over all the HR side of things. Our finance manager was come, coming through and, and doing a great job taking on a lot of more of the financial stuff for me. So I was you know, taking a little bit of a, a, a sidestep into the learning and development um, and I've always wanted to do my coaching qualifications. So um, I was I started my coaching qualifications was, was moving into a transition of six months into learning and development global role. Um, so it was, you know, it was a big change for me. And actually, to be honest, it was, um, I, I found it quite hard. It, now, when I look back on it now, I think, well, what was my problem? But it was because <laughs> it was, 
change. It was something new. I, you know, all my saboteurs walked into the room and were like, you can't do this. Why? What do they think they're doing? Um, <laughs> so <laughs> uh, that was a, you know, I, I was getting my head around it. Um, and that was taking a bit of time because I had a lot of insecurities about it. Um, and so, you know, February, I was uh, in London at the, um, you know, our head office. And, you know, I was like, okay, no, maybe I can do this. And this is all going to be good. And I really got myself on track. And then obviously the COVID hit, luxury travel market, um, you know, the no sales. Everybody wants a refund. Um, there's no business for the, for the future coming in. Um, we had the horrible, horrible task of laying off 21 of our 36 um, staff. Um, and in that process, you know, there, was, there wasn't a role for me any longer in, you know, in the wider business because it wasn't a crucial role. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm on a six-month notice, so I was lucky enough to be able to work out my notice. But, um, yeah, it, it, it sort of changed everything. Um, I carried on doing – well, I didn't carry on doing my coaching because they cancelled everything because it was all in-person coaching courses. Yeah. And they haven't quite got themselves online yet. Um, but, you know, now we're back online for the coaching. Um, I'm still I'm doing that. And I've got actually a workshop this weekend. I had one a couple of weeks ago. So I'm feeling really excited about that. So I will go through and do my, my coaching qualification. Um, but, yes, I'm, I'm moving out of the business from being, you know, an in-house coach and doing the learning development and getting involved in that to um, out there on my own. Um, so I'm in the in the position where I'm looking for either a job within a company to do, to pick up on the coaching, um, but maybe some of the business consulting because of my financial background um, or setting up a consultancy on my own, which right now feels like the big scary one, (laughs) but um, (laughs) you know, I'm just trying to work, work that through at the moment. Um, Yes. And so you might not remember this all the time, but on the positive side, you have, been through a whole setup of a business where you demonstrated your abilities and resilience <laughs> and I guess yes you're having to to uh, check out those memory banks at the moment yes <laughs> yeah yeah so um interesting so so what sort of things have you have you done or are you thinking about doing in terms of sort of moving that forward so have you are you still I mean a lot of us are still in sort of limbo with the pandemic and not quite sort of knowing what next steps are have you got Mm. into the next phase or are you still sort of in that sort of self-care bit of it um trying to sort of work out that route yeah i i would say i'm i'm yeah i'm still still trying to to figure that out Mm. um i think honestly i went i did the i did a very deep black hole to begin with yeah Um, then I came out into the sort of self-care, we can, we can do this. And that this was a, bit of, you know, a lot of help and support from other people, colleagues, and et cetera. Yeah. Um, and now, and I, and I have to say, because you got caught at a really good time, I've seen a lot, on, uh, a lot of articles about, you know, looking after yourself, taking a break, all of those things. Um, John and I took a two-week break. We did a road trip um, to the national parks um, of Utah and um, Nevada, and I have to say that's the best thing that you can do is actually rest your brain. Yes. Stare out of the window, do nothing, think about nothing, let it all just settle. Yes. And I hadn't allowed that to happen up yeah. until now. It was still, it was always like, I still got so much to do. I've got a lot to do to, to pack up everything and make sure everything's filed in the right place and everybody's got what they need. I haven't really let everything settle in. So mm. that's made a huge difference. It's made me feel like, you know, okay, stuff is possible. There are opportunities out there. I, you know, listen to people that you interview about things that they do that it's like, okay, well, that, that's a really good idea. I could, I, I could do that. You know, I've got, I've got experience working with private equity, which is not easy. You know, I've set up a business. I've, you know, I've run a business on the other side of the world that's got a global headquarters um, in the UK. Yes, I can work with businesses and people who struggle with that every day, and hopefully have some sort of you know, X-ray of how people are feeling about that. Whether maybe the management aren't you know struggling because their senior management and leadership team 
have got so embroiled in the private equity, you've got to produce numbers, numbers, numbers all the time, that their teams don't know what to do or, or what's expected of them or how to interact with each other or communicate. I feel like I've got a niche there yeah. because of my experience. So I am definitely coming out, understanding what I've got to offer, and now I've just got to figure out how I do that. Um, yes, yeah. The, co- the coaching, going through the coaching course and the different modules has really helped me because you're doing it to yourself at the same time. Yes. Um, yeah. So that's been hugely helpful. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing. It's, uh, this um, interview will, will be live in October. So we're interviewing currently in the middle of August. So just to give people some perspective mm-hmm. on sort of timings in terms of, of um, the pandemic. And it is really interesting. You know, I've said many times that at the beginning it was a bit black and white, you know, we had to lock down and like you said, you, you know, awfully had to um, make people redundant and all that sort of stuff there. There was quite a clear path at the beginning and then it, it became sort of a bit about, you know, what's going on and how, how can we best get through it and everything else. And then it felt like as things were starting to open up again, it was, it was like 10 times more complicated than it was at the beginning. Mm. There's, there's so much variability and, um, uh, flexibility needed and, and opportunities and the opposite of that and all that sort of thing um, and it's so it's interesting you talk about having that sort of time I um, I took on some coaching at the beginning of the um, time at sort of March time and it's meant that my diary is quite full every week which was really good for me in terms of you know my income and stuff when it could have been much worse but um, and also you know I, I felt a bit I've said on the podcast before I felt a bit shortchanged that I didn't get a chance to, you know, learn all these new languages or do embroidery or <laughs> whatever, because I was too busy. Yeah, that sourdough started going. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But um, but it's interesting that I sort of feel because I've got these things in my diary that I don't normally have. I sort of feel a bit like I've got a job at the moment, and um, and I've actually for the first time in years planned next week to actually take a week off, and I've I've put off all my. Um, coaching calls and you know podcasts that I would have been interviewing that I would have been mm. doing and saying literally to just have a week and we're going to go into the caravan just literally half an hour up the road so we're not really venturing out very far um, but I also call the caravan my happy place um, yep. but, but it's interesting that normally I work when I'm away anyway but it's just stuff that I like to do like I would do on a weekend sort of thing when no one's clamoring for anything but I am really thinking about you know reading a book or (laughs) just as you said just sitting and not actually doing that work next week and actually even putting my out of office on all that sort of stuff I never do that and I don't have a problem with that because I sort of as again you'll know from listening to the podcast I sort of schedule stuff to suit me and if I want to go and do something I'll go and do it and I'll work at odd times and all that sort of stuff so I never feel like I need to do something like that if you like but I have a Mm. real need for that at the moment I feel like you know I need a week off and and I never say that as I say so it's really weird but I think it's the same sort of thing that we need some processing time and I haven't had mine yet um Mm because I ended up doing more during this time rather than less and I think that's that's what it's sort of culminated in so and it's not easy to do straight away it's not a you you can't just decide okay I'm just gonna take the week off and do it because your your brain doesn't calm that quickly no like when we first got to, we were staying with some lovely friends up in Park City, that we, we were just, I, I was pacing around the room. I couldn't settle. I couldn't sit. I couldn't just, yeah. you know, be. And that was, you know, even with a couple of days driving. So you have to, you have to force your brain to not do anything, not to look at your phone, not to think about that. Um, yeah. Yeah. And it, 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 that's a real discipline. Um, yeah. But I tell you, it, was, it paid off. Yeah, really to that's, pay off. yeah that's great to hear. So let's talk a bit about just sort of generally, um, you know, sort of life changing things <laughs> to <laughs> one side. What, how do you normally operate in terms of getting stuff done and, and you know, knowing what you want to do and, and making sure those things happen and so on? Do you have certain sort of strategies and ways that you do that? And, and you know, how do you use technology or are you one of my regular pen and paper guests <laughs> <laughs> I'm afraid I am <laughs> love a pen and paper yeah I mean it's, you know running you know a, a house and a business and um 
I've got one child on the other side of the world um, at college, uh, university in England, um, and my daughter here. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm a writer list. Um, I have an A4 bound hardcover book. It has to be that. I don't know why. That's just what works <laughs> for me. And I only have specific types of pens. Yeah. Um, now I sound really weird. Um, but there's, you know, there's a certain pen and there's a, you know, blah, 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 colours, lots of colours. Yeah. Um, and, I, and it's a bit like a bit like a shopping list. If you've written a shopping list, you don't actually need to take it with you to the shopping, to, to, to shop. Yeah. Um, because once you've written it down, it sticks. Yeah. Um, I write loads and loads of scribbles, um, drawings, whatever. I, I highlight things um, in my book and I can visualise where I wrote things. So if I need to go back to a meeting, you know, a month ago, I kind of know it's on the left-hand side of the page where I've written something. I can visualise that. It's not a photographic memory, but it's there. Um, I do little boxes that um, I have to go back and tick if it's an action point. Um, and if I need to, then I translate it. But I, I translate it onto an Excel spreadsheet because that's, that's what I like. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and Excel's my friend. Um, that was a trick actually that um, uh, our CEO, our previous CEO, taught me. Um, so it's so so it's a list, but then it's got a column that prioritizes it. So you have the the red, orange, green prioritization. So you, mm -hmm. you know you can just type in red and it goes red. Yeah, program it to do that. So then you can sort it by the red, and so your urgent list you can sort. Then you've got all your different columns that you can sort it by. So. I, having that huge list in front of you is always so daunting yes. but to then just filter it into things I need to do this week, next week, next month, just takes it down to, you know, so you can actually see it on this one spreadsheet. Mm -hmm. Somebody said to me um, that I think our brain can only handle five things at a time. So if I can get it to five things to that priority, I will. Yes. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's how I organize myself. I am hideous. Um, at my email inbox everybody I mean I've got so many people around me say, oh I've only got 10 things in my inbox I'm like how do you do that <laughs> you know I've, I've read I've read the you know how to have a clean inbox and uh, so much stuff and I was like no can't do it just I well, might want to come back to it I might want to read it I well, do, you know what, there. do you know what Emma before we started I asked you which the latest podcast was that you've been listening to and you said it was the lovely Penny Pullen and yeah. you started by saying Oh, and she's so organized and she's just like so calm. And I don't know if you want to interview me now. <laughs> I can tell you the bit we didn't mention on that podcast. I don't know why we didn't get around to it is she has thousands and thousands of emails in her inbox. Oh, that's such a relief. <laughs> and when I say thousands, I mean like thousands, thousands. In yeah. you know, like into five figures. And she, um, <laughs> she, uses it like you've just said she uses it like sort of a filing cabinet she uses her search and she just knows that it's all there and she just does that she doesn't need it to be clear so don't worry you oh. don't be more penny you are more penny already <laughs> that's such a relief thank you <laughs> the thing it's, my, it's my guilty secret i've just yeah. revealed and, and it's like oh i feel oh or people you know if they're looking over my shoulder they're like how many have you got in your inbox <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, this, with this productivity stuff, there's so many like guilt trip things that are laid on us. So, you know, that, that whole miracle morning thing, you've got to get up at five o'clock or mm. three, three o'clock and done, have it done by five o'clock. And, you know, I you know, a long time ago realized that mornings are just not my thing. So that's never going to happen. Um, and um, and exactly that, you know, mailbox um, inbox zero, you know, people yeah on about that and then you start to feel inadequate if you if you've got three in there never mind thousands um and mm. actually it's all individual you know it's it's about being really clear about what works for you and doing that and um you know i think the only time you need to pay attention to what everyone else is doing is if it's not working and you want to yeah. find a different route sort of thing mm. um, i was showing somebody my inbox the other day not my inbox my to-doist my to-do list app and i was trying to sort of say mm. to do is really simple and really straightforward and it's really easy to use but you can also make it as sophisticated as you like and I've used it for years now so I have got it really set up in you know lots of detail it works and, to I, you. and a bit like you were just saying you know that you can get different views so you only have like five tasks that's mm. how I do it I slice and dice my to-do list 
by tagging it in all sorts of different ways so I can create all sorts of different filters so that when I look at my list, there's hardly anything on it and I can tick it off. <laughs> and that's how I get through my list. But of course, the people who are looking at it were like keeling over. <laughs> I have no idea what that is. And one of them said, you know, you have lots of, your, what you do is very transactional, very sort of she meant not very strategic because it's all very sort of lots of little tasks and it's like mm. yeah there are things that I do every day as routines so you know I can take that um as criticism not as criticism I can you know acknowledge that but actually it only looks like that because I break things down into these daily routine tasks in order for them to get done <laughs> on a on a sort of um low number figure um to-do list rather than yeah. it being a project which would just completely daunt me because it would be too many moving parts on the same page <laughs> yeah and no, I, I, I that resonates with me because it is it is task-based a lot of my job's being task-based so you know that's that's how it works and I mean nothing better than ticking something off on your to-do yeah. list is done I mean you've got to have things on there that you can tick off you, you must know, put just... things on there once you've done them to tick them off sometimes too absolutely Especially when you're doing it on pen and paper. I don't do it so much on technology. But yeah, when I used to write my to-do lists, I definitely used to add things on and tick them off because it's a constant. Absolutely. I had a look at Todoist when you were because I'd heard you talking about it um, yeah. a few times and then and I signed you know signed up for I'm getting yeah. the newsletters, but I haven't really had the the chance to really get stuck into it. But um, yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, something that's one step forward I should make I do like the color coding on the on the outlook inbox anyway um, yes where you yeah, can have different colors so you can just filter that so yes oh, yeah, I'm hugely good. relieved to know that I'm not the only one with a <laughs> zero on the end of my <laughs> inbox <laughs> I'll send Penny a message she'll be pleased that she's inspired um, uh, I there's another one it's a spreadsheet tool that it's sort of like excel but it's like excel on steroids that might be one worth looking at and I'm trying to think who mentioned it it's been on a podcast somewhere along the line um but yeah it's if you just sort of do a bit of googling it's it's something pages or something but it's like excel but it's it's more it's more like a sort of database type scenario so for people who like that linear sort of um way that excel's work, worked out it works quite well so that might be worth a look mm. as well it probably pop up, up um, in my mind about two hours later, so I'll, <laughs> I'll add it to the show notes and send you an email. <laughs> Thank Lovely. You. So let's talk a bit more. You talked about um, sort of having that time to stop. You did your sort of um, trip away and, you know, calmed yourself and so on. Uh, what sort of things do you do to keep you energised to get on with life generally? You, you talk about walking your dog every morning and listening to my podcast, so that's... that's yes. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I was, I've never been good at um, carving out time for myself um, or any of that. Um, mm -hmm. It's you know, just life always seems too busy, you know, kids and, and business and whatever. So, you know, I think I, I got myself into a bit of a, a rut um, of, you know, our office is very close to the home. But, yeah, I find myself getting my car and driving to the office. It's like it's a two minute walk. What am I doing? Yeah. Oh, I need to, you know, I need to go and go to the supermarket afterwards, so I'll take the car. You know, just crazy stuff like that. Very American um, as well, though, isn't it? Very California. Very American. Because <laughs> yeah. we don't have a pavement to walk on, so you have to walk on the road. I mean, so anyway, things have changed. Um, my lovely 17-year-old daughter, who is always in tune with um, my mental health and, and is, is the most sensible person in our family, um, <laughs> at the beginning of lockdown, and she's been pushing me to have a new dog we had I had uh, we've always had dogs yeah. I lost my um uh my dad had a long-haired dachshund that died very young she, he was only two and a half when he died um about three years ago and I've just been like no we haven't got space for a puppy now we were just not you know too busy too much of a tie traveling too much blah 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 when she saw she saw her opportunity when um, lockdown started and started showing me pictures of cute puppies that have been rescued and we could just foster. And so she signed up for all the foster places in my name without me knowing, forged my signature and everything. Um, and then just kept showing me pictures of dogs, you know, ridiculous, you know, Alsatians that, you know, oh, it'll be fine. It's only going to be with us for a month. So <laughs> one Sunday morning, the classic marketing line, look at this puppy, mommy. We've got an hour to decide. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, 
she gave you a deadline. She gave me a deadline. And, um, so I was like, oh, no, oh I don't know. Talk to your father. <laughs> Classic line. So they decided that this was a good idea and that they were going to go down to the Mexican border to pick him up on a, late on a Sunday night. I was like, you just organize it all. As long as he's got some food, that's fine. But I was, I was really sort of separating myself from it. So long story short, at nine o'clock at night, some people turn up with this puppy in the back of a car with many other dogs and kind of handed him to us in a crate with half a can of food and, you know, screeched away. So we're like, okay, so we've got a dog. Um, <laughs> couldn't get near him for the first 24 hours because he was so nervous. Um, yeah. He picked up on the streets in Tijuana and just across the border in Mexico. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so he was a foster, <laughs> I suppose a foster. Yeah. And uh, within about, you know, three days, we realized that he was going to be ours forever. And, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I was, he's, he's a young, you know, strong, fit dog. So he needs plenty of exercise. So I was up at six o'clock every morning and out on the beach. And, you know, that's when I started you know, listening to your podcast. And <laughs> so now I've got routine. It's, you know, I'm taking some exercise. I feel so much better. You know, I'm, I'm trying to walk at least trying to get to the 10,000 steps a day, but mm. on average doing about eight weekends, maybe 15, yeah. which is go, gone from about 300 steps a day <laughs> previous to that. Yeah, yeah. And it's done my head a lot of good um, mm. getting out there. And it's just, you know, my daughter knew that's what I needed and that I you know, was sitting at my desk you know, yeah. 12 hours a day, worrying about stuff, getting, you know, just, really yeah. you know, into a dark place so yeah, yeah. big change in routine yeah um, well well thank her from me because that gave me a new <laughs> and a new guest absolutely <laughs> brilliant brilliant and I love podcasts you know podcasts are I don't I don't read a huge amount um because I because I am a very slow reader um mm. And so I find it frustrating. I can't get through things quick enough. And also I read and I fall asleep because I do it at 10 o'clock yes. at night and fall yes. asleep immediately. So um, I, I'm much better um, audio um, and I love listening to podcasts. I listen you know, to all sorts of stuff, a lot of BBC based stuff because it's, you know, my connection with England. You know, I listen to, um, I don't know if you've listened to Walking the Dog um, oh. podcast, which is hilarious. Um and then things like um, Saturday Morning Live, a bit of comedy, fortunately, with, um, with Fee Glover and, and, and Jane there. That's hilarious. Um, and then you know, just Simon Sinek is also, because I, when I first heard him in the US, I was like, oh, he sounds, he's got a little English accent in there. There's something, in, he is actually English, yes. but been in America a long time. Um, and then... Um, yeah, obviously, your podcast, I, I'm working my way through the 108, 170, whatever it is now. Yeah, you're um, 177, so you've got a few to go. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, no, there's some really great stuff out there. Um, yeah. and, and I switched between the sort of, you know, Brenner Brown and the, and the, the, the motivational and the, the work mm. stuff, and then, you know, throwing a bit of comedy and a or Desert Island Disc, so... Yeah. yeah, my my phone's mainly um, photographs and podcasts. <laughs> it's, it's <what laughs> I, I've listened to far fewer since we've been on lockdown because I generally do it when I go out walking. And when I've been walking mm. at home on the treadmill, I've been watching something instead because um, mm. just looking at the wall in my um, porch didn't really appeal. So I, I actually... I'm surprised my podcast listening stats have sort of picked up a bit and are fairly static. I, I was expecting them to go up and then on mm-hmm. my experience go down. <laughs> so, um, but a lot of people did go walking. So uh, hopefully. Yeah, and I, th- I think the thing of having um, your earbuds <laughs> or headphones on constantly, you know, yeah. I was, I started sleeping with my headphones in and, and, and I've got into all those sort of bad habits that <laughs> I need to go back to sleep listening to a podcast. So I need to go back to sleep to, you know, it's a really bad habits that you know, yeah. actually need to sleep I'm normally. I'm not heard yeah. of that <laughs> I think it I think it is an addiction. I think it was it started with, you know, there's some there's some great podcasts, but they are quite um good for going to sleep too. And I'm not including yeah. any of those above that I talked about, but but some things that just talk about how things work or, you know, yeah. how does neuroscience work and you just yeah. switch it on and it's fantastic for jet lag and it's something my sister put me on to. Yeah. With jet lag, you just wake up in the night, you just put a podcast on for 20 minutes and then go back to sleep without putting the yeah. lights on and reading yeah. it. 
but it sort of, that then became the normal. Yes, yeah. yeah. You reminded me, actually, I saw it on Graham Norton, of all things. Um, mm. I think it's the app, is it Headspace? One of the meditation apps, they've had famous people record stories like mm. um, to, that you could listen to to send you to sleep. Um, and one of them is um, Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> He's got his voice at the best of times. So um, him, and I think Stephen Fry might have done one of them as well, I think. But yeah, I don't know if it is Headspace, but it's one of the meditation or the, the sleep apps. There's mm. actually a, a whole series of um, basically bedtime stories, <laughs> do, which, as you just said, you know, do, do help you to nod off. So yeah okay so last couple of questions first one what about those days where it all goes horribly wrong how do you deal with those days um I have to isolate myself I just need to be on my own um I just remove myself from and and I I I actually need time on my own um anyway but yes when it all goes wrong just remove myself sit on my own in my room or go for a long walk or whatever but no it's just yeah. or just get in the car and drive away actually sometimes um yeah it's just yeah. to be on be on my own um and reset um good night sleep and start again the next day <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> and what about those days where you get to live more and that's about doing more of the things that you want to do and less of the stuff that you don't want to do what do those days look like for you um they generally involve good friends being outside definitely food um i've got some you know i've got some lovely lovely friends um in in san diego that you know i spend time with we discuss all sorts of things a long walk on the beach with a couple of friends and a flask of tea and cake at the end of it which is very un-american they think they're mad when we get our tea towel out and, and have tea um but yeah, I've got a lovely Australian and Danish friend that I do that with a lot. And yeah. that's so restoring. Um, yeah. And just and also just here, jumping in the sea, getting your head in the water. Um, it's not, the Pacific isn't always that warm. So it's a perfect time of year now. But um, yeah, for me, it's just being outside. And, and also I love, you know, I love having people around me. I love entertaining. I don't like being the centre of attention. So I'm just, I love feeding people, people having a good time, people are making connections, yeah. um, introducing people to, together and then just kind of standing back and watching it, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. That's, what ma- that's what makes my heart sing. Sounds like some great traits for a, a future coaching business. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. I mean, that, I love coaching. I, you know, the, it's like a really good party. If, I, if I've got a team, you know, I've, we've had some lovely coaching sessions or, or just sessions team building sessions with our team in in the u.s um unfortunately before a lot of them left us um but if i i do half a day in a room doing some team building and the time goes so fast and i come away feeling so you know happy and like well that was easy um and it wasn't easy but it's just it's because it makes my heart sing so it's what i want to follow that feeling to come out of the room feeling like oh that was good yeah. They're really, you know, invigorated by that, and the time went really quickly, and I don't feel exhausted by it. No, no. So, how can people find out more about you and and connect with you, Emma? Well, I'm not, I'm not really out there, which is something I'm working on. <laughs> um, I haven't recently introduced LinkedIn profile, um, really? so that's easy to find. Um, but you know, before that, I'd sort of missed that boat completely because for 20 years I haven't been looking for a job I mean my last CV was written in MS-DOS so um, <laughs> I, I, it was not something that I had out there on the outside world so and then I felt well if I put it up there people are going to notice and think oh why should you just done that so anyway I've done it um, and I'm working on how to make that work for me for looking for work um, yeah so that's sort of my project for the next few weeks um you know, I'm on Facebook and Instagram, but it's really, really boring. Um, it's just pictures of cakes, basically. Um, um, and then, you know, <laughs> your LinkedIn, I guess, is the, is the main place. Um, yeah. By the time it me. goes out, it might be an all singing and, and dancing profile. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Lovely. Thank you so much, Emma. It's been great interviewing you and getting to know a bit more about you after just knowing that you walked your dog on the beach. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Really, really appreciate it. All this information is available in the show notes if you go to powertolivemore.com forward slash in this case 
178, then you'll find them there. And this week I want to talk about my 30 days of inspiration that I kicked off on the 1st of October. It's a daily email from me that takes you through to a blog post on my website, giving you ideas and tips and strategies to enable you to live your best life now. It's such a time of uncertainty and potential turmoil and um, challenge for lots of us at the moment. And I just wanted to add some inspiration into the world and just help you to think about what you can do to live your best life now, regardless of what's going on around us and the fact that things are uncertain. We don't know what's going to happen in the future and all that sort of thing. You know, we can easily put our lives on hold while we're waiting to see what happens with the whole pandemic and, you know, think, oh, I can't do any of these things for now. I just need to sort of hunker down and wait and see what happens. And, you know, we've, we've potentially been doing that since March now. And, if we, you know, there doesn't seem to be any sign that things are particularly abating and, in fact, sound like they're in some ways potentially getting worse. So I really think it's important to intentionally think of the things that you can do to make your life what you want it to be, even, you know, despite what's going on around us. And so that's where the 30 days of inspiration came from. You don't obviously have to follow all of the advice and all the tips that are in there, but uh, hopefully some of them will um, work for you and be something that you want to try and to focus on. Uh, so if all you have to do is go to powertolivemore.com forward slash living your best life now and you just sign up there and as I say you'll get a daily email from me and it'll take you through to the blog and you can just read uh, a piece of inspiration every day to help you to think about living your best life and you can unsubscribe at any time if you don't uh, think it's very useful uh, but hopefully you will uh, stay with me and then you'll also get my weekly emails which has my newsletter with some useful content on there for you and please do share with other people if there's anyone you think could be helped by reading that information and getting some inspiration themselves in how to live their best life now then please do forward on that url to them again it's powertolivemore.com forward slash living your best life now and it's running all the way through october 2020 but it will still be on my website as an evergreen opportunity once that's been and gone so if you're listening to this podcast and it's later than october 2020 then you can still go to that link and it'll still kick you into the 30 days of inspiration starting with the day that you join if you're joining sometime during october then it'll take you to the latest post and it'll also give you links to all the previous posts so that you can go back and look over them as well. So it doesn't matter when you arrive on day one, you'll still get uh, all the information over the time, either through October or in 30 days from whenever you start. So again, it's powertolivemore.com forward slash living your best life now. And again, the show notes are at powertolivemore.com forward slash 178. And we look forward to speaking to you next week. Use your power to live more. 